want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. Um, so we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, which has been an awesome time so far. It's probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible to go through. And um, so um, it will be up on the screen just behind me as well if you want to follow along. So let's read it. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So, this is a really interesting passage and I've read it so many times but I've never really done a, a real deep dive into it in kind of the ins and outs of it all. So, you'll see that in the first verse there that he, he quotes an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So, this is Jesus quoting the Old Testament and he's, I, I found it three times in the Old Testament. It could very well be there uh, more than three um, but I could find it three times and uh, the one that he seems to be quoting um, more kind of closely, uh, word for word, I mean, is um, in Exodus 21, verse, uh, yeah, in Exodus 21. Um, and it says, But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And... Um, I was looking into this and it, it actually, it's in the Bible and you could call it a biblical concept but this idea of like an eye for an eye is, is, was kind of well before this was actually written. It was in the 18th century BC um, by a guy, I can't pronounce his name. And um, kind of the intention of it and the intention of what the biblical writer seems to be doing here was basically to say that the punishment fits the crime. Punishment fits the crime because what kind of tended to happen back then and probably still happens somewhere around the world where we, they may not um, kind of follow this, uh, this principle is that the kind of the, the punishment would be far more severe than the crime. Um, it wouldn't kind of be on the same level but you get punished even greater than the crime fitted. So for instance, maybe you've heard of um, those kind of revenge type movies. Um, it's kind of like a little guilty pleasure of mine. Anyone seen John Wick? I hope not. But, <laughs> but basically, um, you see these movies uh, where somebody, it's like a revenge movie. That's it. It's, like, it's just like, I need to get revenge. You've killed my dog in John Wick or you've killed some person in my family and I must get revenge. But Think about it. They go on this, like, only one person dies, for instance, and then they go on this huge rampage of, like, killing the person that killed them, and then they go on, and they, they kill all these other people, like family members and friends, and maybe the people that were behind it and the organization. Just a, It's a silly example, I know, but that's an example of where the, uh, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. You know, the punishment was, like, way, way higher than the initial thing that happened, yeah? Makes sense. And I've, I've been told that 
a lot of kind of our judicial systems, as I was r- researching this, and it kind of made a lot of sense. It was a bit of a no-brainer once I saw it. Um, I kind of tend to, uh, I kind of really based in loosely on this principle. Um, and, but this principle and even how the Bible shows it kind of playing out never meant that someone was necessarily to be murdered if the crime was murder in that sense. It doesn't always mean that that's exactly what's going to happen or if you burnt someone's hand that then um, all of a sudden you'd have to kind of burn someone's hand in return. It wasn't meant to be that way. It was kind of meant as a, a type of an equal punishment. They're kind of an equal punishment. So they wouldn't necessarily need to, as I say, be killed or burnt, but have something to pay to kind of pay off what they have done. And you think about our time, people go to prison, people, um, they might do kind of community service, they might do, have to pay a really big fine or whatever it might be. And they might not have the same thing that's done, that they did to someone else done to them. It's kind of that idea that we just need to have a level playing ground in that sense. So that's where that saying more like loosely came from. Just a little little history that I found out about that. Um, and that's kind of the basic premise of what it's trying to achieve. And it's worth noting that this was um, in, the, in the biblical writers um, in, in Exodus, this wasn't meant to be something of a principle that you took into your own hands. Like it was actually meant to be something that you, like us, how we, if someone, I don't know, comes to our house, does something really bad, we're not meant to take that necessarily into our own hands. We call the police, we go to the, like the authorities, the people that can actually do this in a way for us. Um, and what this was, as far as I can tell, what this was meant to be doing is it was meant to kind of stop you from um, kind of enacting revenge unjustly. Um, and then therefore you create almost like this back and forth potentially between all these, this kind of ripple effect of where you took it into your own hands to get revenge, to, to get payback and that type of thing and then they probably get angry at you for that and other people get and it just causes this huge chaos whereas it was meant to be something that you, you brought to um, the authorities or that type of thing in the first place, if that, if that makes sense. And I thought that was worth mentioning that it isn't something that, a principle for ourselves in a way. That was what it's not initially meant for. But what Jesus does with this is really fascinating. It's really interesting. It's kind of mind-boggling straight off the bat. And he kind of goes this huge step further. He goes this one step further. And I'll admit it from the outset. This passage, is, it feels upside down. It kind of doesn't, it doesn't feel quite right. It doesn't, like, you don't really see this kind of thinking in everyday life a lot of the time. You don't see it. It feels almost counterintuitive where, and sometimes possibly even not right. I know it is, but you're kind of just like, something just feels odd about this. It's like, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the other, uh, uh, sorry, give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. That sounds pretty weird. <laughs> it sounds hard too. Like, why would you let someone slap you twice 
when you could get away with just getting stuck once. Like, <laughs> why would you do that? It doesn't really doesn't really make sense. And I like you look into it, and it's about like if you got slapped back then in the face, it was like a huge sign of dishonor, um, like a big honor shame type con- culture. Sorry, back then. But still, the question applies. Why would you let someone else do that? Why would you give both your tunic and then your cloak when you could have just given them the tunic in the first place? A bit like me kind of going, hey, guy, you can have my jacket. And now I kind of go, oh, okay, do you want my, want my shirts and my, my, my jeans? And <laughs> I read three commentaries on this and they all said that basically if you gave over your tunic and your cloak, you'd be basically naked. So... And I'm not, like that. Just, again, I'm just adding to this idea of like, wow, ah, that's extreme. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't want to be left with no clothes um, in that situation. And the whole going a mile thing is based on kind of uh, those who had transportation in, in the first century, uh, which was mainly Roman soldiers and, and people kind of high up like that. And it was considered really rude to impose on someone to do that. Um, to kind of go, hey, can I have a lift, that type of thing, let alone kind of go an extra mile. And, and money was scarce back then, and it wasn't like, you, you didn't have much, generally speaking, most people didn't. And to give that away or to lend that to someone would have been a really hard, almost counterintuitive thing to do. So this kind of thinking, it, it, seems, it seems hard to grasp. It seems hard to grasp, and I, I even wrestle with it to some degree. And primarily what this has to do with, though, is retaliation and revenge. This, uh, what I could see from this passage, it says that it was a, it's about retaliation and revenge. The want to kind of enact revenge and see the same pain or the same kind of thing happen to the person that did it to you. It's kind of going against the grain of that type of thinking. And underneath it all, what Jesus in principle seems to be saying is that we shouldn't seek, uh, seek to get revenge and we don't retaliate when evil comes against us. We don't seek to get revenge or retaliate when evil comes against us. Now I'll explain this a little bit more as we go. We don't inflict the same kind of pain, the same kind of evil that comes against us back to the person. We don't become what they've done. Do you know what I mean? We don't, underneath it all, we're not to do that, but go a step further. Not only that, not only are we to not just only get get revenge or not retaliate, but we want to go one step further. And we see this in Jesus' life, and I'll go into into a moment, but we go one step further and forgive them. We forgive them and then go another step further and we bless them. So it's this real weird thinking that it's kind of, it is counterintuitive. When someone does something bad to you, something evil to you, your first, I said this to these kids on Friday night, your first kind of like, say if Jono punched me in the face, I, my first instinct isn't to go, hey buddy, give me a hug, I'm going to go buy you some Maccas. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't normally happen, but what Jesus is saying is like, no, you need to forgive them. You forgive them. And you don't retaliate. You don't, I don't punch, even though I probably couldn't, but I, <laughs> I don't punch Jono back. And, but I, I, I actually seek to bless him. So we don't retaliate or get revenge in the face of evil. 
We go a step further and forgive and then we bless. And you're probably thinking many questions right now. That was what I was thinking and I, I still have some questions. But there's so many things and you've probably a million scenarios. I don't know if you're anything like me, but there's a million scenarios going through your head of like, where does this apply or how does that work in this situation, in this kind of context? And I'll, we'll touch on that a little bit a little bit later. But a couple of quick things. I, I, I think from what I can see, justice and revenge are kind of two different things. They can be quite similar in what they look like sometimes, but revenge and justice are a bit different things. And, and he's, he's not saying necessarily, and I'll get to this, that justice is a bad thing, but revenge is a bit different. Um, but before we get into that, I want, I want to show that Jesus didn't just say that these things to kind of sound nice. He didn't just kind of say them because they were virtuous, nice things. He didn't just say that. But he said it, and he, he is this perfect example of that. That's what you see in Jesus. He says this, and he does it. He's a man of his word. He says it, and he does it. Um, he's a perfect example. He lived it out. And I would even make the case that if he hadn't lived this, lived this principle out, then we wouldn't be here. Like, we wouldn't be Christians. We wouldn't have grace in the first place if he wouldn't have lived this out. So in John, 4, uh, sorry, John 18, I'll just give a couple of examples. You don't have to necessarily turn there, but if you want to make a note later, you can. Um, in John 18, we see that Jesus is he's met with many evil people, like the passage says, evil people. He's met with these kinds of things. Um, and that he could have very, very well stopped it, stopped these things in these situations. He very well could. He had, um, this is like the Garden of Gethsemane? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he had Judas, a close disciple of probably close, at least probably close to three years, someone betray him and come with guards, with uh, like a, a decent number of soldiers. He had... Um, uh, yeah, which were, which were armed with swords and clubs and he also had Jew- the Jewish kind of chief priests and, and elders come along and he had all these people coming to arrest him for something for like for no real good reason. Do you know what I mean? Talk about injustice. <laughs> he, he didn't need to go. Like he could have retaliated. He probably would have had every right per se in to retaliate and get revenge, but he didn't. He didn't do that. He, he, gave, he gave in. He let it happen. He even stops Peter in that, in that time from retaliating himself. He like cuts off like a soldier's ear, and then he's just like, no, no, this, is, this isn't how we do business. This isn't how we do this. And he stops him from retaliating. There's another example in Matthew 26 where uh, leading up to his crucifixion, Jesus is trialed. He's trialed before the chief elders and uh, the priests and, and he doesn't defend himself. Even though everything they're saying about him is just bogus. He keeps silent. He also, is, he, he's spat on. He's verbi- verbally abused and beaten and doesn't retaliate or enact revenge. It's crazy. It just doesn't, it almost doesn't feel right. Like, I can relate with the, with the disciples. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, come on. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> when, when he, and even when he's before Pilate, like, um, yeah, before Pilate, he doesn't offer 
any real justification um, for this, whereas he very well could have gotten out of this. He lays his life down. He doesn't retaliate. He doesn't get revenge, but he lays down his life instead. He turns the other cheek. And you might be thinking, yeah, well, I mean, this is what I was starting to think. Well, like, I mean, his whole plan was to go to the cross. Of course he didn't retaliate. Like, yeah, that's exactly what he should have done. He shouldn't have said anything because he knew he was going to the cross. And that's right to some degree. Um, But the crucifixion is the very thing that I don't think any of us can argue with. The crucifixion itself is the one thing we can't argue with. Because it's easy to say that, yeah, Jesus didn't retaliate because he didn't because he needed to go to the cross, but maybe he wouldn't have if he didn't know need to go to the cross. But Jesus shows on the cross that that's just not true. He lived out this principle. Can you see it? When you look at the crucifixion, can you see that he didn't do it? You see the most purest form of what he's talking about in this passage. You see the most purest form when he goes to the cross of what he's talking about in Matthew here. You see him literally give up his life for his enemies, for sinners, for those who have done mega wrong against him. He paid the price. He laid his life down for AKA you and I and all of humanity. We didn't deserve that. That's exactly what this principle shows. He didn't just get slapped in the face or offer another cheek. He actually laid his life down. He died. He went one step further than what he's talking about. He didn't look, it, it didn't, he didn't look at the wrong that we have done against him and others and say, hmm, I'm just going to obliterate you now and I'm going to get you out of the way. I'm going to enact my justice on you right here and now. I'm going to get my revenge. I'm going to retaliate against what you've done to me. No, he enacts justice by laying his life down on the cross. He does it. He dies for us. He shows this in motion. He shows it in motion. He took the penalty that we should have had. And when we should have been on that cross, when we should have been on that cross, he took our guilt and our penalty for our sin on himself. And that is literally the biggest example I can see of this in motion. It seems counterintuitive and it, it, it kind of is. It, it seems silly, it seems scandalous, but he did it. He shows it and he calls us to do the same thing. He calls us to do the same thing. It's sacrificial love. It's sacrificial love. He literally lays down his life for his enemies and blesses them, like I've said before. He lays down his life and he blesses them. He doesn't just pay for our doubt and kind of just leave us to our own devices, which is, would have been still awesome in some way, like he's done something. But no, he doesn't stop there. He actually loves us. And he's gone, no, you can have a relationship with me now and I can call you a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Like it's, like, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. He goes one step further. And he's a man of his word here. 
He doesn't just say to do this and doesn't like and then he doesn't do it himself. And the thing is that if he didn't yes, here we go. The thing is and this is what I was arguing before, if he didn't actually follow through with this principle, then you and I would be in a pretty horrible spot. We'd be in a really horrible spot. Firstly, and most importantly, if he didn't follow this principle, then we wouldn't have his grace. We wouldn't have his forgiveness and therefore we wouldn't have this relationship. We'd be still working in an Old Testament type of way. He would have never gone to the cross if he didn't think this principle was true. He wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't have done it. And secondly, therefore, the Christian faith wouldn't even have been a thing. The main kind of centre of who, what Christianity is revolves around Jesus' life, death and resurrection. It's, that's where it sits. And if that never happened and he never gave his life for us, then we didn't really have a message. So this is significant. This isn't like, as weird as this passage sounds, it is huge. It is almost at the centre of what Jesus did. But it's complicated too. It can be really tricky to work this out. It's because Jesus chose to not retaliate, to not get revenge, but rather lay down his life for us that we have salvation in the first place. He didn't do it. He gave us salvation instead. We are the people that are kind of, in that, in a sense, spitting on his face, slapping him by the things that we do. We are that person. And he's the one that showed the other cheek and he laid down his life for us and he blesses us. He blesses us. He does this in action. So yes, it is a hard concept to wrap our heads around. Yes, of course. And an even harder thing to, po- to follow. It's almost near impossible, but it is possible. We can do that. But Jesus is wanting us, just to sum up this bit, Jesus is wanting us to be a people that don't retaliate or enact revenge. He, he doesn't want us to be like that. But rather, he wants us to be a people that love and lay down our life for our enemies. That's the next passage after this. Because it is a tangible example of how he's done it for us. It's a tangible example of how he's done it for us. It shows this love, this grace that God shows to us to someone else. Because to be honest, like it's counterintuitive. It doesn't seem normal like I've been going on. And it, it, it impacts people. It has to. So this is what he's getting at. Be an example of him. Be an example of him by laying down your life in the face of an evil person, even an enemy. Don't retaliate. Don't get revenge. Offer the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Bless the person. Forgive them, just like he did for you and for humanity. Show the world what he's done and how you live your life. And I think that's hugely important because... If it does seem counterintuitive, if it doesn't seem normal, it's not what we see every day, then when we see it, we'll notice it. People will notice it. It'll stand out and people will have questions. It's not every day that someone forgives you for something that you've done. You know what I mean? It's particularly horrible things. And not only that, but just forgives you and then blesses you somehow, whatever shape or form that looks like. It's crazy. 
So that's what he's getting at underneath it all. That's what I can see. And this is what was actually so appealing, just a side note, this is what was so appealing about the church in the first three centuries. Um, in particular, we talked about that on the John Dixon podcast and um, because they, were, they lived this life. Obviously, they weren't perfect at it, but they, were just, they did stand out and that's how people, so many people came to know Jesus because in a, in a world of injustice, in a world of hurt, in a, in a world that was not, uh, in a society that wasn't as well, I guess, uh, as safe as ours now, um, they were literally laying down their lives. They would pick up babies that were just left out in the middle of nowhere. That's not advantageous. They would forgive people that would actually hurt them. They'd pray for those who persecute them. They would raise funds for people. They would do all these kinds of things. And it was an example and it stood out. And he's calling us to do the same thing. Now, hopefully that makes sense. That's what at the core I can see kind of what this passage is doing, what Jesus is doing, and he shows it in his life. Now, I, <laughs> if you're anything like me, I try to like unpack things a lot in my mind before I can actually fully kind of get it out. Um, and there can, there can be some pretty tricky questions. And I brought up the difference between justice and kind of revenge um, before, and they're kind of um, some of those questions. Um, and it can be really hard. Um, to, to, to navigate these different things. And it's usually when it comes to kind of different extremes or in, 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 uh, in life or different kind of circumstances as well that we kind of don't really know what to do with. And I'll, I'll just for example. So my question, the question that came to my mind was that does this mean that we just let people walk all over us every moment of every day? Is that what this passage is saying? Or that we should sit back and just let evil take its place and that it should just be rampant. Is that what this passage is saying? And from here on out, I haven't fully kind of formulated how I'd answer this, but I'd hazard a guess this would be reasonably close to what I see in the character of God and what I see in the Bible. But I would love to have more of a chat with you if you have some other thoughts. Um, And this is why... Another little plug for the podcast. This is why we're doing that podcast because he's, he's, he's gone many, many years into these kind of topics of ethics and justice. Um, I think the answer is no to those questions. I think the answer is no, generally speaking. We don't let evil run rampant. I think that's not counterintuitive. We probably shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> we don't let run, evil run rampant. We don't let evil things to happen to us and others without trying to stop them. We try to stop them. We've been called as Christians, I can see this in a kind of redemptive history type um, thing, and what the question is, is like how much of a part do we play in that and how much do we just partner with God in this? That's the question. Um, But as Christians, we've been called to be active in bringing light into this world, yeah? not adding to the darkness. We've been called to bring light and to bring Jesus into this world. We actively don't want evil to prevail. We don't want sin to continue to run rampant. We want to limit that. We want to eliminate whatever we can. So the answer is no. We don't sit back because we need to be a part of being active in our world, in our, in our culture, in our spheres, in our friends to see that not happen. Because we love them, yeah? 
Of course. We, wa- we want to see people know Jesus. We want to see them not go down destructive paths. We don't just kind of passively sit there and let it happen to us necessarily. In a very real sense, Jesus was about justice. Um, and I'm not going to go a real, down this like real uh, social justice type um, thinking right now. That's for another time. Um, but Jesus really fundamentally was about justice. He was. And in particular, the justice of sin that humanity have done to him. At the very, very least, he was about justice in that way. Um, because he died on the cross. Because there was meant to be justice. There was meant to be something of a consequence for what we have done to him and how we've interacted with other people. There are consequences of that. And Jesus was about that. We couldn't be in his presence again without it. We couldn't be in the presence with him without him taking the penalty for our sins. So, no, we shouldn't just sit back and let evil run rampant. We want to be a part of ending evil or at least lessening it wherever we can. We want to bring light into this dark world just like our God does. We want to team up with him in whatever way that looks like. And the other question is that I asked is, do we let evil things happen to us and, and others without trying to stop it? And there's a gazillion different scenarios you could put it in, um, but I'm just going to tackle a couple of little ones. And I think the answer is still no. Um, I, think we, I, don't, I don't think that's exactly what Jesus is going for here. Um, if it can be prevented, if it can be prevented, then we do something about it. Uh, but I do think this is really contextual at the same time. For example, if someone literally... <laughs> I'm talking about... I'm going to extremes here to try and try and work this out. For instance, if someone like kills one of your fan, friends or a family member, yeah? Horrible thing. I hope it never happens. You don't just kind of look up at the killer and you kind of go, here's my other cheek, and then you just offer yourself to be murdered. Like, you, that's not really what you would do, Yeah? Hmm. It's an extreme example, but you get kind of kind of what I'm saying. It can be nuanced in different situations. Um, you could run for cover, perhaps, and call the police and try to prevent. This is just a scenario, by the way. We could you could run for cover. You could call the police. You could try to prevent the person from doing it more to other people. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> or you could be Jono and take him out. Um, <laughs> could you? In time, in a very practical way, have a posture of forgiveness towards that person. Yes, absolutely. Not easy. But we could have a posture of forgiveness toward them like Jesus shows and somehow bless them. Absolutely. Can we do that? Yes. Can we forgive them? Not retaliate. Can we bless them? Yes, absolutely. And this leads into another question. Which is, is, is Jesus saying here that we can't seek justice for certain situations and that there should be no consequences for actions? And again, I'm not an expert. I'm still working this part out for myself and I think still the answer is no. The character of God I see in the Bible is that he's a God of justice as, justice as well as love. And also the world that he made naturally 
has consequences when you go against the grain. They have natural consequences when you go against how things have made, how he's made them. If you do bad things, generally speaking, you'll get something bad in return. It may not be straight away. It may be on your emotional health, maybe on your physical health or whatever it might be. Or you might lose some physical possessions. You might lose people. All these different kinds of things. You generally have consequences for your actions. And it's often through the consequences of our actions that we learn to not do things and we grow as people. We learn not to do things and grow as people through the consequences of our actions. And to some degree, if we don't seek justice, at least in certain situations, then we're not giving that person the opportunity for grace. They may just keep doing what they're doing. They may just keep going around if you don't do something for them to stop. They may just keep hurting more people. And we want the best for them and we want the best for the people around them. Again, not authority here. This is just some thoughts. Now, I think at the very least, the difference in how we do this and how, and, and, I, and I don't think the difference is in how we do this, how we seek some sort of justice. And I don't think it necessarily is the same for every situation. For instance, another little scenario. We should tell the police when someone is robbing our house. Um, <laughs> you don't just kind of just let it happen. We don't want them to do that and we'd rather them not do that. We'd rather that it not happen in, to uh, people in the future, right? We'd rather that be stopped there. We don't want the robber to keep going to the other houses in, in other nights around the neighbourhood. You don't. We want them to get the help that they need, to not need or want to do robberies. We want to help people not do that. Can we do that in a way that is loving and forgiving and comes back to that principle? Yes, absolutely. See, there's a certain form of justice there. They probably will get in trouble. They probably will. And that's, that they kind of, they, in my mind, they would need to learn from it. There are consequences for our actions and you do see that in the Bible. Perhaps in this situation, forgiveness and loving is the way to go. Perhaps in this situation, you tell them that you forgive them that you forgive them and maybe be so bold as to genuinely ask them, like, what, what, what motivates Like, you befriend them. You ask them some good questions. You're like, hey, what, what led you to do that? Maybe you forgive them for the damages that they've caused. Take them out for a coffee. I'm not saying do this in every situation. Some people are dodgy. <laughs> Unsafe, I mean. Maybe you take them out for coffee. Maybe, you, yeah, you pay for the damage. Maybe you help them get the help that they need. That stands out. They still, if there's still justice in that situation, there's still kind of some sort of, um, they kind of went, whoa, okay, yeah, I did something bad and I probably have to pay for it now. And then you're still forgiving them. You're still loving them. You're still blessing them in that way. And that's the kind of love we need to show. We turn the other cheek and perhaps we go even further. We forgive and we bless we don't retaliate and be a horrible human being back to the person that's been horrible to us. We don't do that. And I genuinely think this is contextual, but the one key thing I can think of of how to navigate this is knowing our Bible, knowing the Word, 
but also knowing the, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit guiding us in every situation of how, Lord, how do I turn the other cheek in this example? Is it actually to literally turn my cheek? Is it literally to do this or do I say something? Um, do I report it? That type of thing. I think he's our go-to. But the principle through it all, as I finish up, I'll invite the, uh, the worship team up as well. Um, but the principle is the same through it all. Don't enact revenge or retaliate. Forgive and bless them. Don't retaliate or get revenge. Forgive them and bless them. Show them Jesus. Be the example of what we see Jesus doing, of who he is. And that's what he's telling us to do at the very least. He's calling us to do that. So let us be a people that are marked by that. Let us strive to be that that people that we always are loving, that we forgive, that we follow the Holy Spirit and that we bless people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Um, I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you that you followed this in a very extreme way. And Lord, I pray um, that you would help us to be loving to people in the very same way. That you would help us to lay down our lives for others, Lord God. Help us to know what to do in each situation, how to navigate this, Lord God. Help us to find wisdom in each situation. Um, Some hurts can run deep from what people have done, Lord. And things might not always look the same, but I pray that you'd help us to forgive. Uh, I pray that you'd help us to bless these people some shape or form. That, Lord, that they would come to know you even more. Amen.